Welcome to the Ultimate Journey of Self-Care. I am Allison Katzkowski, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in to check out exactly what we're talking about. Self-care means so many things to people. It's one of the reasons I decided to start this show. And you'll hear self-care discussed from a number of different angles in this space. I am grateful to have you with me, and I hope you get a lot out of what I'm going to share with you today. Hey, everybody. It's Allison Katzkowski. Thank you for joining me today for another edition of the Ultimate Journey of Self-Care. I am your host. As always, I'm always grateful that you are choosing to spend some of your time with me on this Tuesday morning. So I'm really excited about my guest today. I'm talking to Corey Logitis, who is um, really wears a lot of different hats, but but she is a professional keynote speaker, and she's also a high-performance coach. But we're actually going to be talking about something other than both of those today. We're going to be talking a little bit about the concept of overwhelm. So um, kind of what's involved with it, what's the story behind it, and all of that. So, Corey, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Of course. Please introduce yourself, if you would, to my audience first before we get into the good stuff. Sure. So, I mean, I think it's important to know my journey a little bit when it comes to the topic of speaking about overwhelm because it's relevant and how I usually discuss the topic with folks. So in general, very kind of like Reader's Digest version of my backstory, I started off, it starts off with a very expensive piece of paper that says I could draw well. So I had, I got a fine arts degree, had absolutely no idea what to do to make money when I graduated school. So I was waiting tables, really kind of struggling with the overwhelm of that. Uh, my father was really kind of annoyed by this process because he helped pay for that $100,000 piece of paper that I couldn't make any money doing. Yeah. Uh, so he said, you know what? Why don't you come and work for the family business? We had a family business. Uh, he was the second generation to be running it. So okay. he's like, you can start as a graphic designer, do this and that. So figure it's going to be a part-time thing. 15 years later, I blink and I'm running it as senior vice president. Never anticipated doing that. Love what I was doing until all of a sudden what I was doing became difficult for me to manage. So running as a senior vice president, I went through a five-year life, a five-year span where I experienced more trauma than most people experience in a lifetime. So being very kind of candid about it, I experienced a miscarriage. I was in an abusive relationship. Mm. Uh, I subsequently got a divorce when my son was only five months old. I literally had to take my son with me to work one day and I just never went home. Uh, so I became, uh, you know, homeless, single mother. No one had any idea what was going on either, you know, whether it be my colleagues or my family, this and that. Um, and then from there, while managing all these things and having to run the business simultaneously, kick scratch, did what I had to do to be able to rebuild my life from zero and was successful in doing that, bought a new house in a great school district, uh, was making advances in the business, still a high performer. Uh, even had found love again. You know, I had a partner, our kids were best friends, you know, things were on the up and up until I was the one to discover he died by suicide. Oh, so adding more trauma to more trauma. But at that point, the reason that this story is relevant is because as traumatic as an event that that was, I vividly remember standing on the lawn of his apartment that day, waiting for the detectives to arrive to rule me out as a suspect, thinking to myself, you know, number one, Corey, you and everything you know can be gone in an instant. Like, number one, what are you doing with your life? Yeah. I had known for a while leading up to that point, I wasn't really like a hundred percent 
fulfilled in what I was doing in the family business. I didn't like that it was I was commuting over 20 hours a week, never got to see my kid, you know, the whole hustle culture thing. Sure. So it really kind of made me realize like, you know, the value of my time. But then the other thing that I think was important, you know, and relevant for this conversation in particular was I realized I had gone through processes and starting over and being overwhelmed time and time again. I knew I had the skill set that I needed to be able to navigate this, you know, newest challenge. Mm. And with that said, you know, I very quickly after this experience made some very major changes. That's when I quit a secure 15 year career. I went to start to work for myself, mind you, with a baby and a mortgage and nothing but an emergency savings account. Um, and in that six months, you know, I not only built my business and professionally was able to make gains where I, you know, ended up a TEDx speaker less than a year later, mm-hmm. but because I was continually taking action despite that overwhelming scenario, mm-hmm. I somehow within six months managed to meet a man who ended up becoming my husband. And, and I then during the pandemic went from being a single mom of one to a married mom of four in a year. So I'm very big on continuing to take action towards your goals and what you believe in, you know, the impact that you want to have, regardless of what your life circumstances are. And that's what I talk and speak on today. (laughs) Wow. Interesting. Yeah. It certainly certainly sounds like it's come full circle for you. It has. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, you know what they say? It's like, you know, sometimes our most... our you know, whether it's people or an experience or a job or whatever, sometimes can be our best teacher. And that's what it sounds like it was for you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, why don't we just start with the concept of overwhelm? Um, First of all, what do you believe overwhelm really is? I have a kind of a unique take on overwhelm Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of folks view it as a negative, right? They're like, it's it's a feeling that they don't want that they feel guilty and ashamed for having. When I experience overwhelm, I view it as it's a positive thing because it's a sign that something in your current strategy is not meeting your current reality Hmm. is the best way I could put it. So, and when you think about it, really all that overwhelm means that happens is something changed and the way that you were doing things before is no longer sustainable. So you have to adjust for whatever that changes. Okay. So it's almost like, for lack of a better way to say it, it's almost like, you know, our, our mind's way of telling us, Hey, we need to come to Jesus moment here. Right. You need to stop. You need to reset. You need to identify what's changed Mm -hmm. and then plan accordingly from there Mm -hmm. before taking action again. Yeah. Okay. So in your, in your view, then based on that, where do you think it really comes from though? It it's honestly a lot of overwhelm, at least in the way that I've experienced, it's a bodily response to stress. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? So a lot of folks, when they're feeling it, they're going to feel stressed. They're going to feel anxious. Um, You know, it's a fight or flight mode. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, when we get into a state of overwhelm and we feel that we can't, because truth is the reason that we're feeling overwhelmed is because we're at capacity and we cannot take any more input. Yeah. So it's very much a, a, bodily response. I believe it's a physiological response mm-hmm. as well, because your brain starts shutting down with too much input. Okay. So in your view, then would you, would you classify overwhelm as a feeling then? I would. Yes. 
Okay. Cause I would too. That's what I was getting. Mm-hmm. So, yep. mm-hmm. so, and most of the time, feel, well, not most of the time, all the time, the feelings that we feel are really like our body signals and a reflection as to what's going on around us because they come from thoughts. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, let's say it's, it, and it's, it's one of those things in my view. Um, and I would just love to get your perspective on this just because I hear about this from my clients as well. It's one of those things where it, it can build over time. You know, it, it, I'm not saying that you can't wake up one day and realize that you're overwhelmed because I know you can, but it's not one of those things that just comes up out of the blue. I don't think, I think it's a gradual kind of thing. And then uh, all of a sudden you're like, Oh my goodness, how did I get here? Yes. No, I thousand percent agree. I usually um, describe it. It's kind of like being in the frog in boiling water. Wow. Uh, by the time, by the time you realize, you know, that you're overwhelmed, it's already like past the point, of, like no yeah. return. And it yeah. really requires a stop and reset. Yeah. And don't you think though, in your experience with clients and just from what you've, you've talked with, with, with people is that it, it, it's, it's really this, this constant nagging that everything has to get done in that moment. So it's more of a, I got to do everything and I don't really know where to begin. Exactly. And I think a big part of that too is a lot of us, we have these unrealistic expectations that mm-hmm. we believe other people expect us to get all this stuff done. Yeah. yeah I guess where truth is that isn't based in reality all the time. So we're telling ourselves it needs to get done. But truth is probably 90% of what's on your to-do list does not need to be, get done. Yeah. You know, Why today. Do you think that is? I'm just curious. I think it's a societal society pressures. You know, especially uh, speaking in terms of like American culture, it's very, mm-hmm. you know, work hard, play hard. You know, it's it's a culture that's always in movement. I mean, hell, you know, even with fast food and everything, we don't even, you know, sit down and eat anymore. We <laughs> yeah, <laughs> drive life, through some place to get something to eat. Life moves very, very fast. Life and business both move at lightning speed. Even a lot, just in the last few years, I feel like it's yep. picking up exponentially. Mm-hmm. And I feel that we had a nice break during the pandemic that it kind of forced people to slow down uh-huh. a bit with that. But things have very quickly gone back to the norm. Yeah. And I think that's a huge component of it. So because yeah. ev- they see everybody else is doing it, it's a whole keeping up with the Joneses. Sure. Um, you know, yeah, conundrum. Yeah, I get that. So if it comes, if some of these ex- unrealistic expectations come from society, which in my view is what other people expect of us, whether mm-hmm. it's colleagues, friends, whatever, where do you think the rest of it comes from? Um, a lot of it is beliefs that, and again, this isn't external, but it actually comes from internally. Mm-hmm. Things that we believe of ourselves and what we should be able to achieve, which has been impressed upon us over the years by other people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not an intuitive. Yeah. Well, thing. I it, it's I more... Think- because when you think about it, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but okay. when we talk about beliefs, though, all beliefs are just thoughts that we think over and over again that they feel like, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So if we're believing that other people, whether it's friends, colleagues, neighbors, whatever, you know, are expecting things of us and we think that long enough, then mm-hmm. of course that's going to, you know, give us an unrealistic idea that all of a sudden one day we feel like we're in a pressure cooker and there's nowhere to go. Yeah. No, and I could definitely share, you know, like one example, a personal example. Yeah. Uh, I struggle on a regular basis with workaholism. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to want to always like want to be working, always want to be moving, so on and so forth. And a big part of this, you know, and even after, you know, I went through therapy and stuff like that to try to figure out the root of it, 
mm-hmm. was from being told as a child, you know, basically being praised for my achievements on a regular basis mm-hmm. and told, you know, and it was, this is a positive, you know, it should come across as a positive, you know, from a parenting perspective, but it gave me this belief that I could literally do anything yeah. because when I was a kid, I was always doing it. So carrying that into my adult life now with different responsibilities than I had when I was a kid. I mean, yeah. your workload, you know, even as a parent and as, you know, running a business and everything else that changes, sure. the expectations don't change with it. Yeah. You know, when you're older, so still internalizing those beliefs that you had from childhood through adulthood. Yeah. Well, most of the beliefs that we carry over into adulthood, I believe we borrow from people that, you know, our earliest beliefs are, are that, right? They're usually yes. imposed on us by our parents or a, some some other significant person that has, mm-hmm. you know, had an influence on us. So exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Interesting. So, um, so let's fast forward then a little bit to, I know you have sort of coined this phrase, the overwhelm culprit. So, and I'm, you know, my, my strategic mind is, is going to what's included in that. So, and I'm, sure. I'm sure there's like, you know, certain pieces that are like the main pieces. Let's talk about what's involved with that. Sure. You got it. So the overwhelm culprits is basically a framework that I created. And this actually happened during the phase when I was going through the divorce, when I kind of pulled the pieces together to see, okay, well, what were the things that I noticed that were consistent triggers Mm -hmm. for me so that I could learn how to systematize and identify whatever that trigger was to bring myself back into alignment so I could continue to lower my stress and take action. Uh And this actually played out after my suicide loss when I did the process and it worked really well. So that's why I'm coaching and teaching on it today. They're super easy to remember. There's five total. Um, they all begin with a C and they're a lack of something. So the first one is lack of clarity. So if you're not clear on, you know, what it is you want or, you know, what your goals are, what your vision is, what your values are, that could cause, you know, overwhelm, you know, right from the very beginning that I would actually say is the very place where you usually start. Yeah. Next up is your confidence. Right. So a lack of confidence. It's not a matter of knowing what you want. You have to believe that you have what it takes to get it. And confidence is unfortunately an inside job. I think a lot of people kind of wait for external validation from other people to, you know, then have the confidence that they could do things. I believe that's not the way I'm with you. I agree with you 100%. That's not the way confidence works. Confidence happens by getting uncomfortable and trying things that challenge you and doing so consistently until the point that you feel confident doing it. Yeah. And also getting what I call sets and reps in, right? Just continuing to do things because you mm-hmm. teach yourself that you can do the hard things. We're going to talk about that in, in the fifth C in okay. a second. Got it. So, so confidence. Then from there, we have community. Okay. So as the famous motivational speaker, Jim Rohn once said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. So if the people you are choosing to spend your time with don't believe you could do what it is you want to do, have unrealistic expectations of what it is that you need to do, or just are generally unsupportive, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to keep moving. You're going to be overwhelmed because you don't right. have the support system in place. Right. The fourth one, which I think you will appreciate in particular, uh, I call it con- um, conditioning, mm-hmm. but it actually means your physical health and wellness. Yeah. 
right? So this is where self-care comes into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't pour from an empty cup. You got to be taking care of yourself. And a lot of times, especially with the working moms that I work with, mm-hmm. uh, this is like one of the number one reasons that folks are overwhelmed because they're not sleeping. You know, they're not watching what they're eating. They're running on empty, yeah. you know, and you can't keep up, you know, when you're running on empty. Yeah. And then the fifth and final C is consistency, mm-hmm. right? So you could be taking care, you could be taking action, but if you don't have consistency in those actions on a regular basis, mm-hmm. you are going to feel overwhelmed like you're falling behind. Yeah. Well, and I just, I think it's so easy for us to go to a place of just taking action all the time. You know, mm-hmm. as long as I stay busy, well, I just, you know, I need to be doing something. I can't just sit here. And and sometimes it's really not that simple though. I don't think. No, it's not. And that's where it comes when you use the five C's process mm-hmm. and understand, you know, okay, well, number one, like what's the thing that's actually causing me to feel overwhelmed right now? And then having clarity on what that is, then you could be taking actions in alignment with what you need in that moment. Yeah. Right. I think a lot of times people take action without it being in alignment for whatever their goals are. Or they kind of comes back to that and clarity. Say, I'll part. figure it out later, right? They make right. an impulsive decision, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So of these five, are there any that, I mean, obviously they're all important and you all, you have to use all five of them. I'm just curious, like which ones really resonate with you? Which ones do you think, you know, you hear the most about? I'm, I'm just wondering if, if there are any of them that stand out more. Sure. I mean, I could tell you when I do a keynote or, you know, if I speak at an event, most of the audience will come up to me after and they're usually most impacted by hearing about confidence. Yeah. You know, that that's one that they, they didn't necessarily think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with community, mm-hmm. you know, the impact of that. But I would say, you know, asking my professional opinion, everything stems on clarity. Yeah. So even not having clarity on your confidence and your community, you know, that's where you need to start. You know, clarity is always the first step. Yeah. But for some people, I'm just, I'm thinking of the person because I know I I deal with this quite a bit with some of my clients and the clarity is really what stumps them the most. And mm-hmm. I, if I'm being perfectly honest, it's, it's almost like they're just afraid to to go. It's like they know what it is, but they don't really want to admit it. So they kind of try to substitute with action and let me just mm-hmm. do this and this and this and this and keep myself busy kind of thing. Exactly what we were just talking about. Right. Because they they know what it is that they need to do intuitively, but they're kind of silencing that out based on everybody else's expectations and fear of letting other people down. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you say to that person? That ultimately, when you take an alignment what's with what's in your best interest, everybody, no matter what, always benefits. There's always going to seem like there's going to be somebody who's going to get like a bad end of that deal because the last thing any of us as individuals wants to do is quote unquote, let other people down. Mm-hmm. But just like a few examples from, you know, my experience that I shared before. Yeah. You know, even going through, you know, my, my divorce and how awful that was. My divorce and the abuse was stemmed in addiction. And because I made the move to do that and protect my boundaries and protect my son. Mm-hmm. My ex was able to go and get clean and he's able to be a better father for our son now. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. other example, when I left my family's business, you know, which that was going to be very tumultuous, very, you know, upsetting. 
it ultimately created uh, raises for other people because my salary was able to go to mm-hmm. other staff members. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I left was because of the commute. Ultimately, my father decided to move the location to a, a location that was much closer to everybody else that finally they heard like, hey, now people don't have to commute as far anymore. Yeah. So there was a lot of things that happened that my action and standing up for what I intuitively believed was better for me and ultimately ended up being better for everybody else too. I just had to be brave enough to take action on it. Yeah. And I just think that's a a different journey for everybody. I mean, I Mm -hmm. think, I think we can logically know what we need to do, but that doesn't always mean that we do it. But I also believe that we get to a certain point and we're like, I've had enough. Yes. And that's something that I, usually refer to there's two different ways to make major changes Mm -hmm. the first one is the more logical one which is more like what we're talking about like getting clarity and you know making um you know intuitive and aligned decisions like doing so with intention or the other way is what i call a pivotal life moment which is having the trauma you know like going through a pandemic you know things like that where life after the event, no matter what is always going to be different than life was before the event, there is no going back. So you're forced to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, those would be like the two ways that I notice that people yeah. will make changes. No, and I, I agree with you. And I think, um, I mean, I, honestly, everybody's a little bit different, but I do think that everybody wakes up one day and they say, okay, I'm, I'm ready. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And for everybody, that time scale just might be a little bit different. Yep. Curious. What do you do for your own self care? Uh, I have, it really varies, but in general, the one thing that I hold ironclad day in and day out is I have an hour to myself where I usually will do my workout, I journal, I meditate. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to prioritize this time very first thing in the morning. Uh, I do have four kids now Mm -hmm. at this point. So I find that if I do it very, very first thing in the morning, then it doesn't get forgotten Uh later in the day. Yeah. Uh, but that's usually how I do it. And then in addition to that, I have, um, one night, w- we try to do it every other week where it's my night to go out and do whatever it is I want. I tend to prefer not to sign up for like classes or things that it has to be like a consistent commitment. Uh-huh. I'd rather go with whatever it is that I feel like I want to do that evening. Uh-huh. So I love doing things like taking myself to the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I call it dating myself. I, I love myself. that. I just go, I, I go that. and do whatever it is that I want to do by myself. Uh, so I do that like every other week. Yeah. Uh, but the, I like the that because of a lot of people that I talk to when I ask them about their own self-care routines, because I honestly, I do that for a couple of reasons. One is I feel like there's always something to learn when you hear what works for somebody else. And mm-hmm. I also believe that, you know, you just never know where somebody is in their journey. And from something that you might say might inspire them to make a difference. Right. Which, sure. is, which is really why I started the show. So, but I love the idea uh, that you talk about, about dating yourself. I think that's brilliant because I think a lot of people say, oh, and I give myself a night out with my girlfriends, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's totally fine, but I think we need to have time to ourselves too. Well, I think that's really probably even more important. And that was something I learned immediately after my divorce Mm -hmm. because I had to learn how to get comfortable with being by myself. You know, I was married 15 years. Uh, it was all I really kind of ever knew. Yeah. And a lot of times people will again fill time and like keep like doing things like the busy work or even like going out with friends and stuff like that because they're afraid to spend time with themselves. 
So yeah, one of the ways that I trade, right, it'll be a reminder of what the problems are. It's exactly to busy and not mm-hmm. thinking. It's like a distraction. And the way that I found myself out of it was by forcing myself to spend time by myself and to like do things like go to a bar and eat dinner, um, you know, by myself without going with a, a you know partner. And through this process, it actually taught me how to love myself again. Yeah, because I realized I didn't need to depend on somebody else to do it for me or with me. Yeah. And that had me showing up as a completely different person for other relationships in the future. It was yeah. pivotal. So I, I actually refer to it as uh, purposeful t- solitude is purposeful the way I like to solitude. That's <laughs> yes. an interesting way to put it. All yeah. Right, like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I just feel like anytime you talk about doing something alone, I feel like, first of all, I think there's a difference between choosing to spend time by yourself and being alone. Right. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like it, there's almost this collective frown from society on doing things by yourself. It's kind of like, well, what's wrong with you? Why why do you not want to do anything? You know, we figured that out during the pandemic that as good as quality time is to ourselves, that human beings are not meant to spend lots of time by themselves. They're meant we're meant we're created to be with other people. Right. So what do you say to the person out there who wants to do something different? Is maybe it's just in this repeated story loop, you know, um, and just needs a little something to get going today. What do you tell them? You know, it's interesting. I get asked this question a lot and I find for folks that are in this kind of situation, myself included, the reason that people always say that, you know, they haven't done it yet is because they don't have the time. And the truth never is really the case. I don't think that's never the case. You yeah. do have the time. If anything, you waste more time yeah. not doing it because then what happens is then it'll be like five years from now. Then you decide to try it when you could have had all everything that you wanted in the five years before it. Yeah. So you're actually wasting more time by waiting. Yeah. And I've always found it's better to, you know, take action and go after something that you want and fail then regret having not tried at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what do you say to the person who might know that? What's one thing that you can encourage somebody just to get started today? Who might know it's that? One thing to know it, in other words, and it's another just to still find yourself in this spot. And it's mm-hmm. as easy as it is to take action. It might not be that simple for somebody. It might not be that simple, but then again, it definitely wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that you have to realize too that at a certain point, there's one common denominator and that denominator is yourself. Yeah. And until you're able to change, you know, the way that you think, the way that you act, the way that, you know, you take action on things, you're going to remain exactly where you are. Yeah. You know, that that's the the primary differentiator. You know, I, I always like to say, if you want to have an extraordinary life, it requires extraordinary action. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't be taking the same actions day in and day out with the results that you have today, expecting to get different results tomorrow. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I think, what do they call that? The definition of insanity, doing the same thing yep. over and over uh, and expecting, and expecting and thinking magically different a different result will happen, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. It's always good just to get somebody else's viewpoint because this is a subject I do hear from a lot of my clients and, um, and I just, Everything that you've talked about is nothing that's new to me, but I just mm-hmm. think sometimes you just don't know how it's going to land for somebody. Where sure. do people connect with you? Sure. Best place to find me is my website. You mm-hmm. can find me at www.corielo.com. 
Uh, and then I am on every social media platform. And my handle is at I am Corey Lowe. So C-O-R-R-I-E-L-O, Corey Lowe. Yep. Okay. Uh-huh. So you're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of it? All of them. I'm most active on LinkedIn. Yeah, I would think so. I would think mm-hmm. so. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for making time to talk with me today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So folks out there listening, if you would like to connect with Corey and find out a little bit more about her work, if you are perhaps you know, looking for a speaker for an event or maybe what we talked about really landed and resonated with you, please feel free to scroll down in the show notes here and find her website, CoreyLow.com, or connect with her on any of her social media handles. And in that same um, breath, if what we've talked about today has really inspired you or moved you or encouraged you to make a different choice and you would like to share this conversation with a friend or a colleague, please feel free to copy the link and send it to whomever you wish as a free gift from me. Or you can connect with me on my site at www.theallisonk.com and we will be happy to do it for you. Either I'll do it or someone on my team will take care of it for you. This is why we continually reach more and more people every single week. And while we're heard all over the world, it's because of all of you who listen, who subscribe, who follow, who share episodes with people that you know and people that you think this is exactly the thing that I know that my friend needs to hear. And that's really what this show is all about. Please know that I am super thankful and grateful for every single one of you. I always welcome your feedback. You can connect with me on my site. Again, that website is www.theallisonk.com. And as a final note, if you're looking for a new home on social media, if you're looking for a community of like-minded people, please come and join my Facebook group, Innovation Avenue, Fitness and Self-Care Revolution. This is the place where we look at how we take care of ourselves in unique and different ways. And we would certainly love to have you. This is Allison Kaskowski with The Ultimate Journey of Self-Care. You're one step closer to living your ultimate life. So make it a good one. 